say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 115 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. Are you new to the Love Food Podcast? If you are, well, welcome. I have been waiting for you to listen. So thanks for stopping by. If you're listening and you've been with me for a while, well, We have been together for 115 episodes. That is a long time. And that's also a lot of self-awareness and then doing analysis. I tell you what, that's really important, brave work, but it's exhausting. So many people on their food peace journey get to places where they just need to sit down and take a break, maybe even check out a little bit. And I hope you have compassion for yourself when you're in that space. I have a letter from someone today who's in a place where food has had so much power and connected to things in her childhood, things that were um, neglected basically in her childhood. And she's just tired of having to do all this work. Why can't she just eat normally? I hear that a lot from people. Have you ever asked for that? Have you ever said like, in desperation. Why can't I just be a normal eater, you know, and just think about food when I'm supposed to and not all the time? Well, if you can relate to that statement, you will really relate to this letter. Before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by my PCOS in Food Peace course. I am so excited because enrollment is opening again and how you can know about when it's going to open up for enrollment Well, you just go to my website, pcosandfoodpeace.com. You'll get put on the wait list, so you'll get all the details. But here's a little bit. If you experience PCOS, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. For those of you who don't know what those letters mean, and you are trying to move away from diets, well, I have been working for almost two decades now on figuring out a system that helps you to find health, experience health, and practice intuitive eating. And I have a 12-step system that I've outlined into a course. So you can either work with me individually or you can use this course to do it on your own time. And everything is downloadable in a digital format. And there's also a community um, group that we've formed on Facebook. So there's a way to continue the dialogue as you would if you were in person. So if you would like the details, all you need to do is go to pcosandfoodpeace.com. Another really cool nugget, if you're listening and you're a healthcare provider, I know there are listeners who are dietitians and therapists and doctors. Well, I also have um, turned this course into kind of a way, kind of a template to also teach the system. So if you're a healthcare provider and want to know more about helping people with PCOS to make peace with food, you can also get to it by going to pcosandfoodpeace.com. If you enjoy this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if I could talk, but I also would love it if you could leave me a rating or a review. And I know 
We podcasters are always saying it, but it makes a big difference. So if you could leave a rating or review by clicking on the show notes, you'll see a little hyperlink right in the first paragraph to do so. Or you can scroll through on your podcatcher app for a way to do it. But if you can leave a rating review or share the episode, anything like that, any of those act of kindness, it really helps the show grow and helps more people find it. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, as part of the baby boomer generation, I grew up in the 60s, a time of counterculture and revolution. I shortened my skirt, carried placards, and dieted. No matter what it said on the placard, you food, were my enemy. You are never just food for me. In addition to a massive sweet tooth, I was always hungry for more food. My mother was a terrible cook, and the least burnt food was allocated to males first. I was punished by being deprived of food. I learned to wolf down my food before my father could get angry at me and send me away from the table. And the more you, food, became the enemy, the more important you became to me. Over the years, I have tried to disarm your power, but I really don't know how. Instead, I have rather rigorous eating habits and I'm super careful all the time. When I haven't done this, my weight has ballooned. In my childhood diaries, I only write about you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I still plan my day around you. I just want you to be food. I don't want you to be so complicated with over and under layers. I don't want you to represent bad child memories of things I couldn't have. I just want to be present with you and let food be food. It's time for you to be disenfranchised but I don't know how to do it. Sincerely, not wanting to be enemies. Hey there, letter writer. Thanks for the note. Food certainly has power. Food always had power over us as humans. It always will have power. And I believe it always should have power. Not only does food nourish us and give us energy and all the nutrients we need in order to just stay alive, but it's an ultimate connector. I think about all the funerals and birthday parties I've been to in my life, and food's a really important part. I think about all the times I've been in other cultures in my own neighborhood or my own country or around the world. And food always has a place and a really important place. It is a connector and it helps us to better define our culture and our family and our community. So it's always going to have some power. I really was thinking about the time where you were coming into your own in the 60s. You know, I think about the peace and love and body autonomy really was the theme, right? Is you know, it's it's my body. I'm going to do what I want with it. And I know what's best for me. Unfortunately, diet culture was really getting revved up at the same time. I think diet culture was born out of this seductive lie that if you follow the rules, well, then you get everything you want. It's really effed up, right? Because Peace, love, and body autonomy does not really go with diet culture when we really get down to it. But we just didn't know as much then. 
and um, you know we're really coming along. I identify as a health at every size dietitian, and that movement was started in the late '60s out of the reaction of, "Wow, people at higher weight really are mistreated." And it started with just a few people forming a community over that mistreatment. And it's only grown from there. But before that, it wasn't on a collective radar that I'm aware of. So it was this big lie that, again, if we just conformed rather to these rules, which again goes against all of what 1960s that were about that I think about. Um, And at the same time, letter writer, thinking more about your own experiences growing up in your household where food was not something that was pleasurable in the literal sense. It didn't taste good. It was often burnt. And it also wasn't pleasurable because of the the environment around food. Mealtime sounds like a battlefield for you. You had to hurry up and get fed and don't make any noise so you wouldn't get yelled at by your dad. What I gathered from reading your note was food was tense and it had to be really careful. Yet, while it was tense and careful, you wanted more and not in a gluttonous way, but in a meeting needs kind of way, you really wanted more. And I I think that's why you were journaling about it. Your brain was just so fixated on it because as a child, we don't really appreciate that, hey, I'm not getting my needs met or I'm being neglected right now. We just know survival, especially when we're really little. And so for you, writing about food and all its little calories or um, flavors or whatever you were writing about in that journal was a way for your brain to keep you safe because it knew you weren't getting enough. You were getting neglected with food. I don't know if that's a word that you use about your childhood, but there appears to be, from that short note, some neglect going on. So what developed was very natural to me, that food developed to have too much power, too much meaning. And I really get a sense from your letter that you're done with having to analyze this. You don't want to peel any more layers. You want to be done with this. You're not a child anymore. You're not even like a a teenager or young adult. You are seasoned now and you want to move the hell away from this kind of drama. You just want to get it done. What's really tricky about food And one of the coolest things, in my opinion, is that food is this amazing metaphor into this mirror image with something else. I feel like our relationship with food is this mirror image to how we're relating to something or someone in our life. It's basically announcing when we're looking for it and laying out a red carpet for an unmet need. And letter writer... You have so many unmet needs, especially around food. As a parent, one of our primary jobs is to keep our children safe. And part of keeping a child safe is giving that child enough food. And you didn't get that. 
you also weren't given food in a way that was safe and um, not very stressful. You know, as a, as a parent, that's one of the things we can control is uh, when kids get access to food, what food choices they have, and the environment that they get it in. We try really hard to do that as part of our job, and you didn't get that. So what has happened is kind of this shit show, right? Of like lots of unmet needs that have just continued to build up over the years. I know you don't want to do any more work with it. I can appreciate the exhaustion for sure. And I think food is representing some deeper, unresolved, unmet needs. Part of this place that I know someone else listening can totally relate to, because so many people have unmet needs, needs that they never got met. Maybe they weren't neglected, but somehow just never were able to fulfill a, a need growing up. And so they're experiencing that kind of same space where it feels confusing and fret. And maybe then this kind of over, overcompensation of being really careful and meticulous about food. One of the fears that comes with that experience is this fear that you're never going to meet your needs that you shouldn't even try to meet your needs because there's no way in hell it's gonna happen. But here's what I know. I know that your needs don't go on forever and ever, ever. <laughs> Just like feelings, you'll be able to meet your needs. I may be pie in the sky about this, but I feel like you have everything you need within you to meet your needs. And searching for that has lots of power. So I'm going to give you some advice that may sound like the opposite of what you're expecting. I wonder what it would be like to no longer fight food or fight the power rather that food is trying to take up in your life. Because again, I feel like food is trying to tell you that, hey, you have this unmet need. Really pay attention to it. And part of the unmet need does go back to literally food and your environment growing up. So what if instead of fighting that, what if you did? What if you did give food more power? Instead of fighting back and forth or trying to be careful with it, what if instead you gave yourself permission to write more about food? What if you gave yourself permission to take twice as long to eat? Or spend more time at the grocery store really looking? You don't have to buy it first, but really looking and considering what would I actually enjoy? Which of these foods would actually satisfy me? And let yourself just look at them, feel them, and maybe eventually give yourself permission to bring a few of those home. And then when you give yourself permission to bring them home, giving yourself permission to sit in front of them, look at them, smell them, feel them, talk about them, and then taste them and notice how your body reacts to it. I have a feeling that doing something the opposite of what you've been doing may provide a different outcome. So instead of fighting food and fighting the space it takes up in your brain, what if you really gave it the power that it's been yearning for? And I always say, if you've listened to any of these podcast episodes before, that we give food too much power. And part of what I see as the struggle for you, letter writer, 
is that there's constant push and pull, this like tug of war. And instead of continuing to tug on that rope, I'm picturing you dropping it and just walking over to food and sat next to it and said, let's just hang out for a while. Let's reconnect on a different level. And really, I just want you to like connect with food in a way that gives you space to experiment. A wonderful tool to allow that is the intuitive eating workbook. It's something that is on the Food Peace Syllabus. And if you're new to the podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is a collection of books, other podcasts, movies, blog posts, anything under the sun that we have deemed as helpful on our food peace journey. You can get to it by going to juliedillonrd.com. The food peace syllabus has already included the intuitive eating workbook, but I want to just put it on there again. I think it's something that could allow you to have kind of designated space where you are not tugging anymore and you are just trying to meet food where it is and really connect with it and give yourself space to connect with it. So I see food has written back, letter writer. I appreciate your note and please stay in touch. I'm curious to know about the next steps. I'm curious to know which foods satisfy you and over time, how that looks. It's not a really quick journey. You know, this food peace journey is lifelong. And I have a feeling as you kind of lift up some new rocks, uncover what's been under there, it'll add some interesting layers. And I also think it's finally going to give you space to rest and not have to fight anymore. This episode of the Love Food Podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. Enrollment is opening soon, so get to all the details by going to PCOSandFoodPeace.com. If you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you could leave a rating or review. You can get to that by clicking on the show art right now, especially if you're in iTunes, and you will see a place to leave a rating or review by just scrolling down a little bit. Or you can click on the show notes under subscribe here or leave a rating in seconds. And I appreciate in advance anything you do to help the show grow. It really helps other people to find it. All right. Like I said, food is written back. So let's get to that. But until next time, take care. Dear not wanting to be enemies, we know you're still mad about the role we have had in your life. Your childhood was not safe around us, and that brings us sadness. We see you get annoyed whenever we come around. We are there because you have a well of unmet needs. You have yet to feel satisfied and yet to connect to the pleasure that warm community food brings. Let's make a truce and a pact. From now on, let's be open to what your body needs and appreciate you have what it takes to meet those needs. Let's stop fighting and give you the space to direct the power where you want it to go. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. 
Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.